Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I know you're paying attention to global events. Wars bubbling up everywhere. Countries are buying and hoarding mass amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our heads in the sand either. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. 833-995-G-O-L-D. Jesse Kelly here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, instinct may drive you to reach for lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of deadly force. Enter the Burna Less Lethal Pistol Launcher equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo to incapacitate an attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states, requires no background checks, and can be shipped right to your door. Visit Burna.com slash Jesse now for an exclusive 10% discount. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know, your house smells. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. My house smells too. I'm not, I'm not indicting you. I'm sure you keep a clean home, but just time means you're going to acquire smells. Whether those are cooking smells that get in your paint, your carpet, maybe they're animal smells. Maybe you're a smoker or someone else was. Just living creates smells. I didn't realize that my home had a smell to it until I got my first Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the greatest air purifier I've ever ever owned in my life. This thing, I had it plugged in for two hours. I came back in the room and my air smelled so clean. I now own three of them. I'm not making that up. This thing has absolutely changed me on top of what it's done for my allergies. Go get one. Get two. Be like me and get three. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE. That gets you 10 bucks off and free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com. Promo code JESSE. This is The Jesse Kelly Show.
What if there was a place so awful they called it the Devil's Garden? We will talk about that today on our history story, and it's going to be a infuriating, fun, crazy day on the Jesse Kelly Show. Why infuriating? I have an ad, a recruiting ad for the Central Intelligence Agency. I'm not making it up. I verified it with three different places that it was real before I played it for you on the air. It's real. Your jaw is going to hit the floor. I'm going to play that for you about an hour from now. We have everything underneath the sun from more coronavirus hypocrisy, a puff piece about Christy Nome in the New York Times, I'll tell you why they're doing these things. All that and much, much, much more coming up today on the Jesse Kelly Show on a Monday. I'm trying to dial it down a notch today. As you know, as I told you last week, the in-laws are in town. So needless to say, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> what, Chris? We can get, no, I'm kidding. They're wonderful people. All right. World War II, Germany, Britain, North Africa. Let's talk about the players here for a moment. First of all, when we talk about Winston Churchill, and this isn't really critical to the story, I just want you to understand something about Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill was a big shot in the government in World War I. He had this suggestion that the Brits storm into Gallipoli, that they would take over that part of it fairly easily, and that it would change World War I for the British. Turned out to be a disaster. The Turks, the Ottomans fought a lot better than they thought, and Winston Churchill was tossed from the government. People, people don't realize that this guy was on the outs. He was persona non grata. And then over a period of time, fought his way back to being the man in charge. Now that's the Churchill part of it. One thing you need to understand about North Africa, because I will tell you, when I first started doing a bunch of reading about World War II and documentaries and all these things, I always found it so odd that any fighting was going on in North Africa. What, why, who, what point is that? Well, here was kind of the point of it. There was a two part thing. One, Italy, Italy in World War II and frankly, World War I, too, and, and honestly, just all the time, Italy completely worthless when it comes to military stuff. It, it, worthless does not even do it justice. The, uh, we've discussed this before, the funding disparity. You know, Germany's military budget was $7 billion. Italy's was $700 million during World War II. But it, was, it went deeper than that. I don't know the reasoning. Obviously, I have fun joking about Italians, but... I don't know why their leadership was bad, their gear was bad, their training was bad, they were cowardly, they were terrible. And Mussolini is Hitler's partner in this whole World War II thing. Mussolini had had some embarrassments up to this point, and it turned out he kind of pressed Hitler and, hey, let us, we'll go down to North Africa and take care of some things there. Hitler looks at that and thinks to himself, okay, Shouldn't be too bad. We could get something valuable out of this, too. What could the Germans get? Well, what does the Middle East have? Oil. 
and a lot of it. And the German war machine takes a lot of it. All, all the war machines at this point take a lot of it. So he's thinking, okay, let's push into North Africa. We'll push east and go take the oil fields, and then we'll have all the oil we'll ever need. And surprise, surprise, Italy gets there and promptly get their teeth kicked in at every single turn. So Germany eventually has to take it over and send their own guys down there. And who do they send? The general, one of three names you'll need to know for today, called Rommel. They called him the Desert Fox. Rommel storms into northern Africa with some pretty sweet German tanks and... He proceeds to absolutely start beating the crap out of everybody. Uh, they, they, look, they study Rommel and his tactics to this day. This dude was a stud, an absolute stud. Should be noted, before you start hating him, he was very much a German and not some crazy Nazi. He thought all the Nazi stuff was idiotic and unpatriotic and whatnot, but this was a career military man. And uh, remember that those guys existed all throughout the German military. They weren't all Nazis. There were plenty of Nazis there, but there, he was just a German military dude in a genius. And Germany, they just field these guys. They always seem to have these military commanders who are studs. It's, I don't know whether it's a mentality in that country or what, but World War I, they had the best generals. They were just awesome. Germany. Anyway. So that's the situation on the ground. Germany is now in North Africa. They are storming through people, heading east, heading for those oil fields, heading from west to east in Africa. What's the situation on the Allied side? Well, Hitler's taken Europe. Hitler is now in the Soviet in the, in the Soviet Union, and this is 1942. It's not going that poorly yet in the Soviet Union. In fact, they're taking over huge parts of the Soviet Union. It's not necessarily looking yet like this Axis German war machine is going to be stopped. And what are the Allied wins to this point? Well, pretty much none. It's it's hard for us to think about that now because we see the war in 2020, hindsight. But for the longest time, by this point in time, the Allies had done nothing but lose and try to regroup and be back on their heels. They didn't, we didn't have wins. What's America doing? Well, remember, December 1941, we get attacked in Pearl Harbor, so we're in the war now. We've been in the war a little less than a year at this point. And Roosevelt has a problem on his hands. We lose sight of of how much wars and huge decision-making in wars comes down to politics. And that's not uniquely American. That's just the history of the world. Roosevelt's situation is this. We declare war on Japan. Everyone knows, short time later, Hitler declares war on us, which is still inexplicable. So we're like, okay, well, we'll declare on you war on you too. So we're, we're technically at war with Japan and Germany. However, Americans, while in general didn't have a lot of love for Adolf Hitler, as you can imagine, that kind of ideology was flatly rejected here. Americans didn't have a problem with Germany, though. This is pre-Holocaust Germany. This is pre-a-lot. 
why would the Americans be mad at Germany in 1942? Germany hasn't really laid a finger on us. Americans were very, very, very mad at Japan. You've seen those pictures, those World War II era pictures of the recruiting lines lined up around the block. They were there to fight the Japanese, not the Germans. Oh, yeah, Hitler, I don't like him. Oh, I want to kill every Japanese person on earth. That was the feeling back then. Roosevelt, however, and as much as I despise him, he's probably not wrong about this. Roosevelt felt that we could fight the war in the Pacific in a decent enough way to kind of hold serve over there against Japan, but we should take out Germany first. He felt that Germany was the bigger menace, the bigger problem. Again, I don't like Roosevelt. He's probably not wrong about that, though. But how do you, if if you're the American president and the American people are mad at Japan— What are you going to do to shift their focus? Well, this is when it gets a little morbid. Hang on. Buckle up for that. And uh, wait a minute. Critical race theory going down? Hang on. I hated quitting dipping, and it wasn't just that I hated the process. You know, I hated the stupid nicotine patch I tried, which was dumb, and I hated the bubble gum, and I hated all that. It wasn't just that I hated that. It made me feel like a failure, to be honest with you. You feel like a failure because you're trying to quit, or, oh, I'm going to quit, and I to- I'm totally going to quit. I'm quitting. Uh, honey, I promise I'm going to quit. And then you find yourself buying a can, and you feel guilty about it. You feel like you're buying drugs. And then you put one in and you don't even enjoy it as much as you used to because you feel bad about it. Then you feel bad about yourself. You can break all this cycle. Go get Jake's Mint Chew. Jake's Mint Chew works. It will help you quit dipping. And it's tobacco-free and it's nicotine-free. Go. Break free of it today. Go to jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Use the promo code JESSE, that's J-E-S-S-E, for 20% off. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, 877-377-4373, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. We got Michael Malice coming up, as he always does, a little over an hour from now. I can't wait to ask him what he thinks about this critical race theory W we got here. In fact, we're notching a couple W's against this insane critical race theory stuff. Why? What's happening out there? I will tell you why it's a very, very good thing and maybe a bad thing, depending on how you want to look at it here in a little while. Back to our North Africa campaign. Americans, 1942. They're not mad at Germany. They're really mad at Japan. They're not mad at Germany. Roosevelt wants to tackle Germany first. 
How is he going to accomplish this? How's he going to, I mean, we're always have another election coming up. How's he going to stay in power? If he has the American people disagreeing with how he prosecutes the war, well, he has to have some anger towards the Germans. The only way you're going to get this anger towards the Germans is if Germans are killing Americans. That's the truth. He needs some American blood on German hands. So he chooses to kind of tiptoe his way into it by offering the British support in Northern Africa. We're not getting to the American involvement just yet. This is the Brits and the Germans. Now, what's, what's happening right now in Northern Africa? Remember, the Desert Fox, Erwin Rommel, is storming through the place. He's heading from west to east, heading for the oil fields. And everybody is on their heels right now. And the British, the British are really at an extreme disadvantage because this is a tank war. When we're talking about this war in Northern Africa, understand it's a tank war. Tanks, anti-tank mines, anti-tank guns. You have airplanes there, mainly the British airplanes, but you have airplanes there, but their job is attacking the tanks. This is a tank war. The Brits have been on their heels for a lot of reasons. One, Rommel's really, really good. Two, the British tanks are a major problem, at least at this point. Why are they a major problem? Well, being in a tank would be a horrifying thing, I've always thought. Allow me to step aside here for a moment. I don't like vehicle combat. I've discussed this with you before. Not that I don't think it's cool. I, I, the thought of doing it, I don't enjoy it because I feel like I have a lack of control. Uh, you know, the, the naval battles. I don't think, I would not enjoy being in a naval battle. Not that anyone enjoyed it, but the thought that I'm completely out of control I have, I have nothing to do with whether or not a shell is about to land in my lap and turn me into dust. You don't know when it's coming. You have no control. There's nothing you can do about it. I don't like that. And the tanks, when it comes to tank battles, remember, because this is going to be applicable today, tank battles, in my opinion, are uniquely terrible. Why are they uniquely terrible? Because lots of time you burn to death. You're in a gigantic steel box full of fuel and bombs. Well, ammunition and black powder. And you're just, you're sitting on a matchbox and you're inside of it. And there's a locked hatch and it's just really, really ugly. And not only might you burn to death, you might have no idea it was even coming. Something we lose sight of when it comes to tank battles. Something you'll think of next time you watch a a documentary or a movie with tanks in it. How terrible the visibility is. You can only have so many places to look. Otherwise, you're weakening the armor. You don't want people shooting through it. So you have these wee little slots. And when you hear these old tankers describe fighting tank battles, they'll describe scenes where they'll... They'll turn and just, boom, there's a tank right in their field of vision. They didn't even know it was there. They're looking at you. You don't know they're there. It's just, no thank you. And it gets worse for the British. The British tank, 
doesn't really have a gun that can penetrate the German tank's armor. German tanks were dynamite. And the German tank can easily penetrate the British armor. They made their tanks lighter. Well, they haven't changed laws of physics. If your tank's lighter, that means it's missing something. What's it missing? Armor. The Germans were just better at it, and Rommel was better at it. So they tear across the northern African desert. We're talking miserable hot desert. That's going to come into play here shortly. Miserable hot desert, and they're blowing through, absolutely blowing through them. Rommel's plan is this. He now thinks he can wipe the the, the British out. He's going to try a big flanking maneuver. He did this all the time where instead of taking them, flanking maneuver is instead of taking them head on, you try to circle around and hit them from the sides or hit them from behind. Now, people say flanking all the time, and I realize a lot of people probably don't even know what that word means. That's what flanking means. Hit them from the sides, hit them from behind. And Rommel was awesome at this. The British have dug in. This is really one of their last stand places. They've dug in. They have a great defensive line, and they take on the Germans. But Rommel, and now we're about to get to a yo-yo portion in this whole famous, famous battle, the most famous tank, tank battle of all time, the Battle of El Alamein. Rommel has a situation. Remember this whenever anybody talks about combat or a battle ever. You must have supply lines. It's not something anybody talks about in the movies or whatnot because it's boring and it's not sexy. Give me the explosions and the bombs and the bullets and the Johnny, I'll save you and all that other stuff. You know what's not sexy? Water. How are we going to drink water? How are we going to eat food? We have men getting wounded and dying every single day. How are we going to get them from this place back to a hospital? How are we going to get fuel? These things govern combat. Rommel has pushed so far away from his supply lines because he's moved so fast and done such a good job, but he's moved so far past his supply lines, he's running out of things. He's running, out of, he's running out of water. The British RAF, the Royal Air Force, is now slaughtering his supply lines that he does have. They're bombing the water trucks, the fuel trucks. And this is at a time when Germany probably could really, really reinforce Rommel if they wanted. But everything's a matter of priorities, isn't it? What else did Germany have going on in 1942? Germany was in the Soviet Union. What they thought was this. Okay, we put Rommel down there. He's been winning victory after victory after victory. We'll be fine. He's not going to need much in the way of reinforcements or supplies because he's so great. We can just focus everything else on the Soviet Union. So you have Rommel down there running out of things. Tanks are breaking, missing food. And he's asking the German high command, uh, any, anyone want to help? I, I, need, I need stuff. Could anyone get me some stuff? They're focusing all their attention on the Soviet Union at this point in time. So he has no more stuff. 
He's down to fewer tanks than the British have. He's down to 228. He started out with like 600. The British have like 400. And he gets to a place where the British are dug in. I will tell you how that goes in just a second. You know, I never have to change a filter in my Eden Pure Thunderstorm, my air purifier. I hated always having to change those old filters. It sucked. And you know what I'm talking about, the air purifiers, the two, three-foot towers that take up half the room. You never have to change a filter in the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. It's just there producing super oxygen for you. I'm not making that up, by the way. Sonic Technology produces super oxygen that purifies your air the same way nature does after a thunderstorm. That's why once you plug it in, I highly recommend this to people, plug it in and then go to work, leave the house for a while, come back. I I could taste how clean the air was when I walked back in my home. I own three of these things. That's how great they are. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. That's EdenPureDeals.com. Use the code JESSE at checkout. That gets you 10 bucks off. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, 877-377-4373, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Remember, you can find me on social media at Jesse Kelly DC on Twitter, Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm also on Locals. We have Medal of Honor Monday today, as we always do on a Monday. This is this is a good one. It was a listener suggested one, and it is a dang good one. Every single Monday for you new listeners, we read a Medal of Honor citation on the show. Just to honor the men, to remember them, to remember their actions. And this, this CIA ad, I almost wanted to play it for you now. It's, it's, it's so jaw-dropping that it's real. I'm going to play it for you in about 24 minutes. This, it's, a, it's a recruiting ad for the Central Intelligence Agency. And you're going to email me and say, Jesse, that's not real. You made it up. On my life, I did not. I did not invent this. All right, let's get back to the the Battle of El Alamein, part one, frankly. Rommel's worn down, throws himself against a dug-in British line. And not only are the British dug in, they're starting to get things. What things? Tanks from the United States of America. The American manufacturing machine is starting to churn and burn and we have given them grant tanks by this point in time. That means nothing to you, and it doesn't have to mean anything to you. Just know this. It has a lot more armor and two guns. And now we're equipping the British with things they need to actually beat the Germans. Rommel is in a situation. He pretty much has to get through this line because his supply lines behind him are so stretched out. He has to blow through the British and get to other ones in the, in the east. So he throws himself against this line. And this goes on for days, three days, I believe. 
and he simply cannot get through. He cannot get through. He, he's not sure. He's not sure exactly what to do by now because you really can't retreat. Nevertheless, he kind of has to, and he doesn't really retreat. He pulls back from the line, and he does so. Again, this is a savvy human being. He does so with the knowledge the British are going to try to wipe him out in North Africa. So instead of really a retreat, it's more of a scouting mission behind him to find the perfect place to defend. And Rommel finds it, at least thinks he finds it. Now, understand this about the desert, because I always had this image in my head of the tanks driving through sand dunes and tanks driving through this. No, there are huge parts of the desert, especially this desert, where the ground is actually too soft. The tanks cannot get through. They will simply sink and, and, and be stuck forever and gone forever. And it's not like there's a small patch of this or two. There's an ocean of it. You get to a place, and it, it might as well be a wall there. Your tank's not going through it. Rommel finds a very narrow path to have to defend, which is what you want. He can't get outflanked because of this sand. The British can't get around him to this one side. He's finding ridge lines. He's finding places with borders. And he digs in. Now, he's way outnumbered by now. The Americans are now sending Sherman tanks, too, which ended up being dynamite tanks for us during the war. Be very proud of yourself, America. Our manufacturing was dynamite. Our technology back home was dynamite. Our society back home had its priorities in line. Think maybe we'll get to that in a second. Anyway, we're now sending Sherman tanks. We have we are way outnumbering the Germans. And I mean we're talking 10 to 1. He's outnumbered by now. Rama only has about 50 tanks. To to the British have about 500. Many of them are American good tanks. But he's dug in and he does something else. He digs in with these huge anti-tank guns that shoot like 2,000 meters. He digs them in all over the place, and he creates what's called, well, what they called the Devil's Garden. The Devil's Garden was this. Rommel, because he knew the British were coming, he knew the general direction the British were coming, even though this was a pretty wide front, he lays out these huge anti-tank minefields. And there were tank traps in them and things like that. And, and whenever someone says tank trap, just know lots of times they just mean a ditch. You dig a, a, a big enough ditch that has the right angles. The tank can't see it in time and falls in and can't get out of it. That's a tank trap. But these anti-tank minefields, the British were terrified of. I would be terrified of them. Another thing, back to the tank, the the vehicle battle thing that I can't get over. Imagine you're in a giant steel box. It's loud. You're heading into combat. And you look around and your buddy's tanks in front of you and beside you start blowing up as they're running into mines. And you can hear your friend screaming inside the tank. What does that feel like every foot you move forward as you sit inside? And, or do you wince every time you hit a bump? You bet you do. You bet you do. It should be noted, a fun fact, to this day, 
they're still finding and digging up the anti-tank mines from Rommel's, from Rommel's Devil's Gardens in northern Africa. They never could find them all. But Rommel is absolutely making them earn every single inch of this. This is the Battle of El Alamein Part 2, by the way. They divide it into two parts because it's stretched out over a long period of time and in a couple different areas. But I just, I just call it the Battle of El Alamein. The Germans are making them pay, but in the end, in the end, there's too much aircraft superiority for the British, for the Allies. There's too much tank superiority. There's simply too much, and they end up defeating Erwin Rommel, who has to tuck tail and run. That is an extremely, extremely condensed version of the Battle of El Alamein. If, if tank battles interest you at all or the Northern Africa battle interests you at all, I would highly recommend you look into it because it's fascinating. But I have a lot I need to get to today, and I just wanted you to know. We win battles not at the time of the battle. You win battles before the battle begins. There is only any nation, any military, any anything. You only have so much time. You only have so much you can focus on at any given time. You're not God. You can't focus on all of it, even huge, powerful nations. We won World War II based on our technology and our manufacturing, and that's a fact. Japan. At the very beginning of the war, they had pretty much the best planes out there, the Zeros. By the end, we were slaughtering them in the skies. Why? Well, they were still flying the Zeros they had at the beginning of the war. We had several times advanced our planes past them because our technology and our manufacturing could do it. Germany, by the end of the war, always had great designs on their stuff. I mean, they're friggin' German, but the quality was in the toilet. Why? Well, they didn't have enough resources. They didn't have enough time. They didn't have enough focus to make sure the quality stayed up like it was early in the war. Why did we win the Battle of El Alamein? Yes, it's partially because of the British General Montgomery. We win that battle because the technology, the focus back home, the manufacturing, it was all there. What I'm trying to tell you is this. I'm about to play you this audio from the Central Intelligence Agency. I'm going to explain to you why this kind of thing is a very, very, very big deal. You ready for this? Hang on. You don't have to dip forever. You know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. That's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum. Sunflower seeds. I, I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Chew. Go. Put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free, it's nicotine-free, it's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, 
I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Go to jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, you get 10% off. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.